You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Uh, well, the kids can be dismissed to junior church now. Uh, I sure do appreciate that. What a blessing. We're going to try to do that and incorporate these folks a lot more often. And uh, I appreciate all the uh, practice time and effort they put in. And, you know, Ryan was talking about the different instruments that people are able to play and maybe for some of us not able to play. But something, every, uh, an instrument that all of us have is our voices uh, that we can raise to the Lord and sing. And so I always encourage folks to sing with everything you got. And uh, when you got a bunch of people, even folks like me that can't sing too well, but when you, when you just put it together with everything you got, man, it just is a sweet savor and sound to the Lord. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter number 2 once again this morning, and uh, we've been going through the book of Nehemiah, learning how to complete your calling, learning how to complete your calling, or in other words, to fulfill your purpose. God has put every one of you on this planet for a reason, and Nehemiah is a good example of what it takes and to, to complete your calling. Now, last week, we studied the first eight verses of Nehemiah chapter 2. And we learn how that God Almighty was able to change the heart of the king and make a way for Nehemiah to do that which God had called him to do. And we also learn how that not only did God do that for Nehemiah, but God can still do the same thing for you and I today. Amen? He can accomplish the purpose. He's still God. He's still able to work and move. Now, this week we're going to be looking at Nehemiah chapter 2 verses 9 through 10, and we're going to be... Considering the thought, a challenge to change. A challenge to change. How many of you love change? Uh, Not too many people like change. Uh, A lot of folks like it just the way it is. And uh, the people in this day were no different. But let's, let's look once again at the condition they were in. And we'll look at a challenge to change. Look at verse number nine. Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. I just got to say, I think it's pretty cool that God Almighty was in this so much that he sent this man, Nehemiah, and he sent an army with him, a heathen army, not God's army, but to help accomplish the purpose of God. Verse 10, when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. So right away you see some rumblings of, of trouble. Because what happens is when God begins to move, Satan moves in resistance. And when we stand up and say, you know what, we're willing to go do something for God, and we're going to go try to build something and do something and edify, then Satan rises up and says, nope, I want to continue to tear it down, and I want to continue to keep it perhaps just like it is. But the Bible says there in verse 11, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do. And I just want to pause and emphasize, because I probably won't come back to this verse, but it's a theme that you'll see in a challenge to change. It's a theme that you'll see in completing your calling, and that is this. God had put this in this man's heart. What God had put in his heart to do at Jerusalem, neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down. And the gates thereof were consumed with fire. 
Then I went on to the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whether I went or what I did, neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. So just to refresh you here, we'll be referring to the walls here. That's what his call is to do. These walls that protect the city. These walls that protect the inhabitants and that keep the inside in and the outside out. Verse 17, now here is the challenge. Then said I unto them. To who? To the people who have seen this wall broken down literally their whole lives. Their fathers had seen it broken down. It's been broken down for about the last 100 years. These people had gotten used to it. But he says to them, here's the challenge. The challenge to change. He says, ye see the distress that we're in. You see it. And he's kind of asking them, don't you? I know you've seen this your whole lives. But you know this isn't right. You know these torn down walls and this just pile of stone where there used to be a wall. And this gate that's dilapidated and broken down and burnt. You see the distress we're in here. You, you see the problem, right? And, and, and I say to you today that many of us need to see the problem. You see it, don't you? There's a lot of problems around us today. There's a lot of ruins around us today. Do you see it? Do you see the broken homes? Do you see the broken lives? Do you see what's going on in our country? You see? And that's what Nehemiah says. Do you see? The Bible says this. Jeremiah said in the book of Lamentations, Mine eye affecteth my heart. Mine eye affecteth my heart. What he was seeing was affecting his heart. So I'll continue there, verse 17. Or I'll start over. Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in. I love this identification here. Anybody remember where Nehemiah was living and where he was living and what he was doing? That's right, he lived in Persia. He worked in the palace. He was one of the king's number one men. But he doesn't look at it that way. He says, we are in this distress. See, somebody said it this way. In other words, he had compassion. Jesus looked on the multitudes and the Bible says he had compassion. The good Samaritan, when he saw that Jew that had been beaten up, he saw him. And the Bible says he had come when he saw him. He had compassion on him. Somebody said compassion is putting your hurt into my heart. And that's what Nehemiah had. He said, we are in distress. We are in distress. The gates thereof, the, the Jerusalem lieth waste. The gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. So we see here the challenge to change. The challenge and the assurance that there is a purpose. There is a need to change. Now, they were literally building a literal wall to go around a literal city for protection against literal armies and those around them, obviously. But I want to tell you that there's an application here, and you'll find this throughout the Bible, that walls are symbolic. there's There's a metaphorical nature to them for security and for safety. 
So without walls, you have no security, you have no safety. So we see the need for a change. What did he, he used the word distress. He used the word reproach. And I want to say today, the reason that we have a need for a change today is because it's real easy to get used to the ruins. See, they knew that the walls were garbage. They had seen these broken down walls their whole lives. What's more, about a generation earlier in Ezra chapter 4, you'll find out that Ezra tried to build this, these walls. Ezra made an attempt to do this. They had tried that before, in other words. We've tried it before, but it didn't work. And so that's kind of where they are right here. They're looking around and they're seeing this. See, in psychology, there's something called willful blindness. Willful blindness. In other words, there's, there, there's some things in our lives that we either consciously and sometimes just kind of subconsciously decide not to see. Now, I can give a couple examples of that on, on areas that may not be as serious. When you've been living in your house long enough, there's some, if, if you're like me, you've got some things that still aren't right with your house. I bought a, a house that was uh, foreclosed and, and not much had been done, uh, you know, really overall since like the, the 30s. There was a lot of work to do, and we did a lot of work. But we let a lot of other work left undone. I still got a 2,000-year-old building out that looks like to that it ought to be out and I don't know where, sitting out at the end of my driveway. I see it every time I come to my house. But you know what? I seldom see it. I seldom notice it. There, there's things that haven't been complete. There's things that haven't been done. There's, there's patches in my yard where I've made no attempt so far to put grass in them. I see them. But do I really see it? Church, even church buildings and stuff can be that way. You know, uh, matter of fact, churches, sometimes it's a wise thing to do. Have somebody come in every once in a while that can be honest with you and just say, so what's going on with this thing underneath out here? Is that just y'all style? You know, you like that with the big hole? I mean, is that just your thing? Uh, you know, do you like the, you know, so, so some, but you get blind to it. And, and it's fine. We're used to it. We're functioning well, right? Now, those are a couple not as serious examples of this. But you can think of some other areas in, in, in our world, maybe in your life, where we're willfully blind. We don't see the way Nehemiah was saying that we ought to see. See, in other words, what happens is we get so used to things being the way they are, it just becomes normal. That's just the way it is. Broken down things, broken things, whatever it may be, that's just the way it is. It kind of reminds me of this. Uh, some of you are familiar with this, how that for some people, some people are, uh, are brought up in a dysfunctional family. I dare say most people, I don't know, but there's a lot of people that are brought up in dysfunctional families. But here's the thing about a dysfunctional family. It's interesting. When you're trying to help somebody that's in a dysfunctional family, it's really hard. You know why? Because when you're trying to help them build up, and when you're trying to help them get some things they ought, the way they ought to be, you want to know something? That's not normal to them. That's not comfortable to them. You know what's comfortable to them? Dysfunction. Yes, it hurts. And it stinks. And it's painful. And it's miserable. But that's what we're used to. That's what we're used to. See, it's become normal. It's become normal. For our kids to be sinful. 
Just kids. It's what they do. It's become normal for our marriages to be discontent and contentious. Just the way it is. It's become normal for our houses to be totally out of order. It's become normal for, for dads and fathers just to totally check out and not take the rightful place of leadership in their homes. It's, it's, it's become normal for moms to shirk their responsibility, their number one responsibility of their children. And for that not to matter. And for them not to matter. It's become normal for our priorities and, and our spending to be out of control. It's become ordinary for us to be unhealthy and unmotivated. It's become normal in our country and in our towns and cities for our children to be taught evolution. You know, one of the great things, one of the topics that came up in Sunday school today was the validity of the Bible, how we can know the Bible is the Word of God. And you know, one of the most awesome things about the Bible, there's so many things, but the further we advance in science, guess what we find out? The Bible's been right for a long time, even when people were, thought science was something else. The further we go in archaeology, the more you find out, oh, wow, the Bible's right. Historically, we find out the Bible's... In other words, the more we learn, the more enlightened we are, the more the Bible is vindicated as God's Word and God's truth. But it's become normal for our children to be taught evolution. It's been normal for our children to be taught CRT, critical race theory which is absolute uh, racism. It's been normal for our children and people just to be inundated with woke doctrine. It's been normal today for our kids and to be taught absolute perversion. I mean, listen, you, you know, you remember the day when you could just set your kids down in front of a, of a, of a cartoon and just say, have at it, you know? And, 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 and maybe that's not always been the wisest thing, but I'll tell you one thing. At least you didn't have to worry about, you know, Gonzo going drag or something, which is actually a thing, uh, you know, that, that kids can see today on the Muppet Babies and th- stuff like that. It's crazy. Uh, or on the Muppets. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's become normal in our society for people to teach perversion and call it education. It's become normal for schools to tell parents to shut up and keep out of the way. We'll, we'll take the responsibility for your kids. It's our job. See, it's become normal to revise history to, to further an anti-God, anti-American agenda. As big government uh, attempts to sit on the throne and set itself up as God Almighty. And, and to set itself up as the Savior. And you look at it, it's been the tool of Satan. It's been the tool of communism and socialism. I'm telling you, you say, man, do they not realize they're ruining our country? Yes, they do. Let's see it go down. Why? And then the government's going to come in and save us. See, the government wants to be the Savior. The government wants to be God Almighty. That's why, that's why those, some of those in leadership have that, that idea that they don't believe that, that we were endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights. They believe that rights are given by the government. The government does not give rights. God Almighty gives rights. The government is supposed to protect our rights. But it's become normal for these people with these crazy agendas. Well, I say today, no longer. It's time we rise. 
It's time. And, and what does that mean? Look, look in verse 18. I hope that our response today will be like their response. Then I told them of the good hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that, that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. I love this. They heard it. They recognized it. They saw it. Yes, they had been used to it for a long time. Yes, they were guilty of just settling for the status quo. But upon hearing this message, but, but, but upon hearing their calling, they said, you know what? Yes, sir. Let's rise up. You know what it tells me? If, we, if you need to rise up, it means you've probably been sitting down. It means you've probably been laying down. But, but I'm glad that Nehemiah didn't come in there and say, what's wrong with you people sitting here and laying here? Do you? No, he just said, hey, there's a great work to be done. And they said, let us rise up. And I'm saying to you today as God's people, let us rise up. Let us stand up, whether you're sitting down or whether you're laying down. Folks, I'm telling you, it's, it's no time to get passive. It's no time to go off getting distracted with all the things of this world. And I'm not even talking about the bad things of this world, but there's even good things that can take us away from the main thing. Oh, may, may we rise up, may we stand up, and may we build. May we get to work and say, God, I will do that which you have called me to do. You know the best way to know what God wants you to do, number one, is to read the Bible. See, a lot of times, I can remember a time when I was younger, uh, when I was, uh, you know, 15, 16 years old, I really wanted to know. Anybody ever like this? God, I want to know why you put me on this planet. I want to know my ultimate purpose, Lord. Well, God says, well, uh, I need you to be fishers of men. Well, okay, Lord, I, I get all that. And I want you to be faithful to church. And I want you to be an active part of a local church. Okay, I get that too. But Lord, I want to know this over here. There's two words I'll give you. I'll throw in a third one. Forget about it. Forget about it. You know why? Because I'm not really wanting to know what God ultimately wants me to do. I'm not sincere if I'm not willing to do what God already has told me to do. Oh, I really want to do something. Are you giving? You know, are you being faithful? Are you doing what you know to do? Because that's where it starts at, amen. And so, listen, the, he, but, but here's the good news. These are some people that said, let us rise up. Let us build. Let us get to work. So they strengthened their hands. They said, okay, let's do this. What's next? Let's do it. And I challenge you today, I'm looking at some people I believe that are, that are willing to stand, Amen. And I'm looking at some people that are willing to build today. I'm looking at some people that was put on this earth for that very purpose. So we see a challenge to change. Rise up. They rose up. They said, let us rise. Let us build. Let us strengthen our hands. But now here's the thing. Uh, the Bible says in verse number uh, 19. But. But. Have you ever run into some buts in your life? I'm really, now Trey, I'm not talking about that kind of butt. All right? I am, uh, I really want to do something for God. But, we're going to stand, uh, preacher, I would stand, I would rise, 
But I'll do it at the end of summer. You know, or I'll do it later. Or this or that or the other thing. Now, Trey, you've got Murray back there laughing. He's going to get in trouble for it. I know he's not. I'm teasing you, Trey. Uh, listen, uh, I mean, the, the, the thing I'm trying to say is it says, But, but when Samballat the Hornite, and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and, and Geshem, the, the Arabian, heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that you do? Will ye rebel against the king? So in other words, it's, can't you imagine the world today? Can't you imagine somebody saying, Oh, you're going to make a difference? You're going to stand. You're going to help rebuild some of these things that have been tore down. That's what you're. That's funny, right there. That's what you're going to do, uh, and that's what they did. They laughed them to scorn. In other words, we see some enemies, some opposition. I want to say one one opposition that we've already mentioned that they've already seemed to overcome is indifference and lethargy. In other words, there's some people saying, "Preacher, really." It's fine. I know things are broke down. I know things aren't well. But you know, we're getting along okay. I know our marriage isn't as strong as it ought to be, but you know, we're getting by fine. I know my life is, uh, you know, not what, but I'm doing okay. I mean, you know, but that's one of the big enemies is good enough. I mean, there is nothing, there is nothing more to stand in the way of the great than the good enough. I said it not too long ago thinking about the standards that we have for our kids. You know, we're so happy if we got good kids. But may God help us not to be satisfied till we have godly kids. Amen. Amen. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of organizations that can produce good kids. But we need something beyond good kids. We need godly kids. We need God. We don't just need good men. We got some good. We don't just need good men. We need some godly men. We don't just need some good moms and women. We need some godly moms and women and ladies. Amen? That's what we need. I mean, listen, but, but, but indifference can get in the way. Lethargy can get in the way. We've already read here verse number 19 about the haters, the doubters. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why this came to mind, but I, I heard about uh, there was a, a, another pastor in town. I don't want to say another church because I don't suppose it's a whole church. But I remember when we, when we first bought the land that we bought over uh, there where we bought our land at. And I remember them saying, well, they'll never, they'll never build. They'll never grow enough to where they can build. They're just, you know, kind of a fly-by-night thing. They're in the storefront. And, and they're right, we didn't build, but we was able to buy. Amen. Uh, and, and listen, to God be the glory, we were able to just pay cash money, man, right down on the barrel. We'll take it. Amen. Why? Because God's good and faithful. Hallelujah. But, uh, but see, there's doubters. There's haters. There's scorn and mockery. There's naysayers. Ridicule. They tried to do, Anybody ever try to discourage you? Anybody ever try to put you down? Anybody ever try to ridicule you? It, listen, and by the, you want to know something about this ridicule and this laughter? See, somebody said ridicule is what, what people use when they have nothing else left. Now, they may be trying to laugh, and they may try to be trying to mock, but deep down, the reason they're doing that is they know. They know that there's a threat to the status quo. They know that God is doing something here. They know that God is doing something beyond you. Now, from a human perspective, they had reason to laugh and mock. Remember, these are the same people that have just let these things go for their entire lives. These are the same people to where they could say, yeah, I I hear you're going to do it, right? Yeah, a generation ago they were going to do it too. Ezra was going to do it as well. 
but he didn't. And so they had reasons from a human perspective to mock. How about this one? How about self-doubt? Because I was saying, you ever have anybody ridicule you, scorn you? Are you ever the guilty party? You know, you just get these voices in your head that start thinking, who do you think you are? You know you better than that. You know better than to know that you can be that, you know. I mean, rah, rah, preacher, that's so exciting. Rise up and build and all that. But you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know the weakness that I have within. You know, because sometimes we can, get, we can hear a message like this and be kind of like, yeah. But down inside, we're like, no way. Not me. See, but, 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 that, but that's the, that, that, those weaknesses that we have, those are the things we want to hide and we don't want others to know. Uh, but, but listen, if you, if, if you did what, or you would say that if I knew, if I really knew you, you would say, preacher, you would never say, God's going to use me to help up, to rise and build, to get up, to rebuild these walls, to restore that which is broken down. But I tell you, here's the good news. By the grace of God, you want to know where every miracle starts? Every miracle starts with a problem. Every miracle starts when man has run out. Hey, listen, God likes to work when nothing else will. God likes to work when the Red Sea's in front of you and the Egyptian army's behind you. That's when God likes to work. God likes to work when it seems that all of our means and all of our whatever we think should happen are exhausted. That's when God likes to work, folks. Hey, every miracle starts with a problem. You say, preacher, I got a problem. I say, I got good news for you. I've got a God that's able to work in problems. I got a miracle working God. And that's what we've got to remember. That's what he reminds. I love what Hudson Taylor once said. He said, all of God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on God being with them. Isaiah chapter 43, verse number 2. The Bible says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon me. Folks, we are not called to rise and build in our own strength. I was trying to emphasize it, but through our reading, you saw repeatedly, God is with me. God is upon me. The Lord is helping me. Look at verse number 18 again. The Bible says, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. My goodness. I've got God's hand on me. God has put His hand on me. You know what that means? Folks, that means guidance. That means I'm not here of my own fruition. I am here, I am, I am, or I'm here because of God. God's hand is on my life. That means provision. I mean, listen, there is nothing more invincible, Livy, than being in the presence of God and having the hand of God on you. There's nothing more invincible than being where God wants you to be. You say, what do you mean invincible? I mean, I simply mean whatever comes on us, it's, it's going to have to be the will of God. God's going to get us through it. It doesn't mean there's not troubles. I've already said that. doesn't mean there's not problems. But I'm telling you what, God will get you through. God's hands on me. Protection, power, provision. See, I want you to know today, if you're God's child, 
you got God's hand on you. And if you're trying to do the will of God, God's got his hand on you. And when you're trying to do, that's why the Bible says that no weapon formed against thee shall prosper. You can, by the grace of God, you say, oh, preacher, I'm all weak, and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Fine. That's kind of the point. We're weak. He's strong. God's hands on me. Preacher, I don't see it. Don't need to see it. Amen. I've got his word. Hey, preacher, I don't feel it. Don't need to feel it. I've got faith. I know what God's word says. God's hands on me, he says. And then I like what he says in verse 20. Look what he says. Then answered I them. Here's what he said to his problems. Here's what he said to his naysayers. Here's what he said to doubt. Here's what he said to the enemy. Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, He will prosper us. Therefore, we His servants will arise and build. See, the God of heaven, We can do it because the Bible says in the book of Romans, if God be for us, who can be against us? I like what the Bible says in Psalm 56, verse number 9. When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is with me. (laughs) Woo! Listen, when I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know. For God is with me. I mean, listen, if you're hearing what I'm telling you today, and if you just pick up a little bit of what I'm putting down, you might understand this is enough to make a Presbyterian shout today. <laughs> amen. I mean, listen, we're in a Baptist church, man. We, we, it's okay to say amen and hallelujah and glory to God. God's with you, amen. He'll turn your enemies back. See, God's in grace frequently reaches down and gets some people. Uh, Some of the people that were in ruins. Some of the people that were in distress. Some of the people that were in reproach. And He brings us out to rebuild the walls. This is the picture of the way the walls of any life, any church, any community, any nation can be rebuilt into strength and power and purpose again. Uh, The Lord is going to bring out a greatness. This is awesome. These people here that we're reading about, Remember, their entire lives, they may have been bothered from time to time. They may have been embarrassed from time to time that their walls were just in ruins around the city and that their gates were burned with fire. Maybe somebody would pick up a stone every once in a while, but nobody ever really did anything about it. That's what kind of people these were. You could look out and just say, Uh, you could look at Nehemiah and laugh again and say, Nehemiah, these people are just fine with it. These people have been living the status quo their entire lives. They don't mind. But here's the thing. These people don't know. The enemies don't know. But God Almighty uses this group of people, spoiler alert, to rebuild the wall. In 52 days, in fact. These are the people who build up these walls. Now, fast forward with me. Uh, let, let's go to uh, let, let's go about eight days after Christmas when Jesus is coming into the temple uh, and coming into Jerusalem to be circumcised. Guess what walls he's passing by as he's coming through? Think about the the apostles in the New Testament as they coming in and out out of Jerusalem. Those walls around the city. Think about that. They had a part. They made a difference. They had an impact. They had an enduring mark on history. 
and made a difference. See, the thing that we fail to see sometimes is this. We don't fail to see our own weaknesses, but what we do fail to see, did you know that my foot, my right foot, is not very good about picking up things? My right foot is not very good about using a hammer. It's pretty terrible at it. I've tried it. I really haven't. Uh, but, but I remember my dad, I don't know if it was just growing up down south, we didn't wear shoes, you know, hardly ever. So we'd always pick up stuff with our toes. Is that too much information, you know? But, but it's almost like seeing what you could pick up. But I, you can pick up some things with your toes. Don't get a mental image. Uh, but, but overall, my foot ain't very good at that. But my right hand is decent at it. Might not be great, Derek, but it's all right. Um, why? Well, my foot ain't meant for that purpose. And here's the, the point I'm trying to make. My eye is not very good at hearing. And my nose isn't very good at, at seeing. Uh, I'm going to get myself confused here in a minute. Right? But here's the thing. It, this, but you, we're a church. We're a group of people. We're a group. We don't all have the same strengths and same weaknesses. We're different. We're a body. And together, we make up for the differences. The sad thing is that too often, have you ever seen people? I mentioned this a week or so ago. I'm, I plan on maybe doing a whole message on it, but uh, just a little advertisement for that. Have you ever seen the people with no arms that can do just like everything with their feet? You know, I, I was talking about a dude. I've seen many of them. You have too. But I saw, saw one dude that, uh, that works in a NASCAR garage. I mean, he's in there with his feet wrenching and working. And I'm talking about he's working on NASCAR, uh, uh, race cars. Uh, you know, I, I've seen I've seen these people, and you know what? Unfortunately, sometimes that's how way too many churches have to function. You know that? Because when it comes time to do the work, the arms didn't even show up, so the feet have to learn it, right? But that's a whole other story. But the, but but it's an encouragement to rise up and build. We all have different strengths. We all have different weaknesses. We all have different gifts. Uh, so, these people God is going to be used to make, to make a difference in history. Isaiah 58 verse 12. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. And thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach. The restorer of the past to dwell in. That's what God's at. Be a restorer of the breach. Be, be one who's willing to stand up and say, you know what, I've seen this problem, I've been blind to it, I've ignored it for way too long, but today I'm going to rise up. Today I'm going to begin to build. I'm going to begin to plan. I'm going to begin to strengthen my hands. See, because what we got to understand is that God's commandments are God's enablements. Did God tell you to do something? If God tells you to do something, it, we're missing the point when we sit out and say, well, I'm not sure if I'm able to do that. That's beside the point. Because if he told you to do it, he's going to empower you to do it. God's not out there looking for I'll tell you one thing right now. When God was looking for a preacher of Elk Point Baptist Church, this may come as a shock to you. But he did not go out and search the world and say, okay, I need to find the best speaker there is. I need to find a silver-tongued orator. And I need to find, hey, hey, why are y'all laughing? I, and I need to find... I need to find uh, uh, the man that can get up and with, with no effort whatsoever just begin, to, just begin to read and quote the Greek and the Hebrew and, and just be such a wise man. And, and, and some of you wish this would have been that way, but I'm going to go and I'm going to find the most organized man. 
why are you laughing? And I, I'm going to, uh, the, the guy that doesn't forget stuff and, and the guy that can, that, can, that can process more than walking and chewing gum at one time, you know. Now that would have been easier and better for a lot of you, I understand, but that's not what he did. He says, no, what am I going to do? Oh, I see right there. There's little sandy-haired, dirty-faced boy running around with jorts and no shirt, no shoes, black feet on the bottom, cut-off jeans, you know. Uh, and back in those days, buddy, we cut them to here. Because, Ron, we wanted to make sure they saw all the legs that they could, you know. And, uh, oh, man. And he said, I, 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 and, and, and God looked at us and said, well, maybe that. Oh, here's, oh, that boy. No, no, he's not in church. Oh, there he is, out in the woods, five, six years old, uh, trying drugs for the first time. I think that might be the one. I think that might be the one. I think that's the one that, that, that's, that's leading, living a life and going into to degrade. That looks like the pastor that I'm going to send. He looks like the one. And, uh, I mean, listen, there's a, re there's a reason, folks. And I've told it before, but I just, it just encourages my heart. There's a reason that, uh, that, that even some of, at least one of my mentors uh, thought that I would never make it. <laughs> but see, that's who God's looking for. Because it's not about our strength. Oh, my friend. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. Hey, is God calling you? Guess what? He'll do it. Is that simple enough for you? Is God telling you to do it? Guess what? He'll do it. Faithful is he that has called you who will also do it. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. See, these walls are meant for safety. The Bible says that the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Those walls being down, man, your joy just comes and goes like nothing else. I was thinking about a verse in the book of Proverbs where the Bible says, that he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Flying off the handle. Not able, or not able to control our emotions. Not able to control ourselves. Walls are broken down. The thief is trying to steal joy from you. The thief, the thief is trying to steal happiness. He's trying to steal all these things that God has given you and means for you to have. And way too many people settle for it. It's one of the things that breaks my heart more than anything when I look at a lost and dying world and I just think to myself, man, they, they're, they're just, they're ransacked. I look at a life that's just ransacked. They've been let out. Other stuff has been let in. But I'm telling you, there's hope. There really is. Because that's not the way God meant for them to be. There's some things broken down there that God wants built up. Uh, listen, God wants us to be safe. Have those walls up. He wants us to be strong. Those walls speak of fortification. The Bible says in Isaiah 60 verse 18, Violence shall no more be heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within thy borders. But thou shalt call thy walls salvation, and thy gates praise. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. 
But we have a strong city. A salvation will God appoint for the walls and bulwarks. We can be safe. We can be strong. We can be separate. Keeping some things, the walls are to keep some things out of the city and to keep some other things in the city. I know it's become normal just to have the walls down around your house and your family and in your home. Through Whether it's the people that li- quite literally come in, it's amazing to me how we, I think most of us dads, how we would react if somebody come in our house trying to harm our family. There ain't too, there, there's not too many of us that wouldn't say, let's get down, man. I'm ready to throw Duke's, re- you coming in my house, you trying to mess with my family? But then we just turn them loose when it comes to, you know, social media, internet, friends, music. I was tempted one yeah, I told you about this, but I was tempted one time to, to, to put that on uh, Facebook community chat, you know, that, that just hallmark of bright lights. But I, I was just thinking of, to, of, to myself on there that uh, I didn't, but maybe I should have. I was about to say, hey, there was a man up at the pool today that was using profanity and talking a lot of explicit sexual things up there with your 12 and 13 year old girls. How do you think people would have felt about that? I bet they'd have got all upset. I bet they'd have got riled up. But then when I told them it was just some foul mouthed rapper, oh well. I mean, what I'm trying to say to you is that there's some things, there's some things, there's some precious things that shouldn't be. I mean, Chad, if somebody says, well, you, you trying to shelter that girl or something? Yeah. yeah. That's right. What kind of idiotic world do we live in? Oh, you're sheltering your children. Yeah. You're not, you fool. Amen. Yeah, I'm sheltering my children. Yeah, yeah I'm tra- there's some things I'm trying to keep from them. Yeah. You know, aren't you scared? Aren't you scared you're going to, you know, they're going to miss out on some things? I hope they, uh, hey, listen. By the grace of God, so far, my kids have missed out on uh, venereal disease. Sure have. So far, my girls have missed out on the walk of shame. They're missing out on some things, poor things. My poor kids, they're missing out on puking their guts out. They're missing out on driving around these country roads and, and, uh, and seeing their, killing their friends and killing others from drinking and driving. Woo, I'm a good parent. Let them get drunk and live how they want to. And you're going to try to judge us for sheltering our kids? You kidding me? There's strong safety and there's separation. Let's all stand. Hey, anybody willing to rise up and build with me today? The Bible says in Isaiah 25, 4, For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, when the blast of the terrible ones is a strong storm against the wall. I ask you this today. If you're here today and you do not know Christ as Savior, I want you to know Jesus wants to be a shelter to you. There's a strong foundation you can run into that's been provided by the cross. So if you don't know Christ today, if you've never accepted Him as Savior, I ask you today, understand, He loves you. And your life may be broken down. And your life may be be a mess. But there's a God in heaven that loves you and cares about you. That you look around, this is a church that cares about you. 
And we want to help you. We want to help you if you don't know Christ to come to Christ. To accept the gift of salvation. Hey, if you're a child of God, let me encourage you. Rise up. Quit walking by. The way I walk past my shed, the way I walk past other things in my house, quit walking by. See the need. Rise up, church. Let's build. Amen. We can do it. Why? Because He's told us to. Amen. And if He told us to do it, He's going to do it. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much, dear Lord. I thank You for saving me, Lord. I thank You for fixing a ruined life, God. And now my life still ain't always what it ought to be, God. I'm still a mess in and of myself. But I'm glad that You're doing a work. You've done a work in my life. And God, that work that you've started, you're going to continue to the day of redemption. I pray, dear God, that you'll help us as your people to rise up and build. Strengthen our hands. I pray for that one that may be lost today, God. Help them to see their need for you. Lord Jesus, you love them so much. Lord, you said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And as these musicians play today, they're going to play through a line or